It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how your self-worth could affect your financial wealth. Joining me today is Joyce Martyr. She's a financial therapist, but also a psychotherapist, speaker, and author. Welcome to the show, Joyce. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. This is a big one. What do you mean how I feel about myself could affect how much money I make? (laughs) Well, I've been practicing as a psychotherapist for over 25 years. And early on in my practice, I noticed something really fascinating. As my clients started to make progress in therapy, they started to earn more money. Client after client was coming in reporting raises and promotions or starting their own businesses. And I wondered why this was happening because we were treating their depression or anxiety or relationship issues. And I realized it's because we're always working in therapy on their underlying self-esteem or self-worth. And as we start feeling better about ourselves, we put ourselves out in the world with more confidence, more assertiveness. We're willing to expand our comfort zones and put ourselves out there more courageously And we negotiate and advocate for ourselves financially. Okay. I don't know if this falls under this person doesn't have as much self-worth because I don't know him very well. But we just had an employee at our company quit and go to a different company who is notorious for not paying very much at all. Now, I think it was a full-time position, which he didn't have with us. So maybe that was an underlying thing. But this company is like, as soon as you hit a maximum number amount, they will just fire you with no warning whatsoever. They just walk in and they escort you out the door. Wow. Again, I can't speak to this person's self-worth, but it's fairly well known in our industry. So it begs the question, was full-time getting full-time more important than having the self-worth to not work at a company that you know within a few years you'll probably be taken out the door? Right. Well, when we value ourselves, we practice good financial self-care. So without knowing this person, you're right, that maybe having benefits or insurance or things that come with full-time employment was a way to provide financial self-care for them. And so each of us has a responsibility to do that for ourselves. And then as employers, we need to figure out how to take good care of our staff so that we can retain them as well. But you're right. Any job is going to have its pros and cons. And it it certainly sounds like this other employer doesn't value their, their employees in the way that it sounds like you do. So I hope that person's okay. okay. Yeah, well, they will be for a few years, which is great get some more experience under their belt, but it's just always a shock for us because most people come from that other company to us. 
Yes. <laughs> so it's just very unusual to have it work the other way around. So we were all like, Ooh. oh, my goodness. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that may be neither here nor there. But if I can't afford to go to a therapist, what are some ways I can work on my own self-worth so that I can do better in at my own company? Or you mentioned a lot of people start their own businesses. Where does that start or take place? So I, there's many different ways that we can work on our self-worth. I think it's, it makes sense for each of us to do some internal reflection and to consider how our family of origin or earlier life experiences or past relationships or jobs may have impacted our self-esteem or sense of worth to honor our traumas and negative emotional experiences and how they might have shifted how we feel about ourselves. I think it's really important for us to be mindful of our self-talk. In psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy is one of the most empirically supported forms of therapy, and it asserts that our thoughts precede our emotions and behaviors. So if we have negative thinking or critical thinking about ourselves, that can impair our self-worth. So paying attention to your self-talk, we all have an inner critic. I've named mine Zelda. Uh, She's a total pain, but we all have that voice in our head that puts us down, that tells us we're not enough. And we need to learn how to turn down the volume of that inner saboteur or inner critic, and instead develop our own self-compassion, become our own best friend, our own loving parent, and our own compassionate advocate. Let's say I recognize that you have that negative voice because maybe it's always there, but you don't recognize it as you don't recognize Zelda when you hear Zelda. Correct. That, That could be a possibility. But if we can at least recognize that negative voice. Okay, I'll give you one. Social media. I was not raised in the age of social media and in the broadcast world. Every other month, they're like, oh, now you've got to learn this platform and you have this form of social media and you've got to follow them all, but still do your other job. And if I keep going, I cannot learn social media. I don't understand. What is SEO? If I keep saying that, that could prevent me from actually learning it. And if I don't learn it, my bosses are going, Heather's useless. She can't do what we ask her to do, which means I won't get raises and or promotions. Is that is that sort of the cycle that we're talking about? Absolutely. Well said. And and those are self-limiting beliefs. When you said I cannot or or I notice when my clients or myself when I say, you know, I I can't, I won't, that'll never happen for me, you know, that's nice that other people can have their own business, but that's not a possibility for me. We can set our own ceilings with self-limiting beliefs. And so we need to be aware of the power of language. And again, cognitive behavioral therapy teaches us to restructure those negative belief systems. Like I cannot to, you know, I will. And breaking those overwhelming tasks into smaller objectives and accessing support. And my new book, The Financial Mindset Fix, has proven tools and exercises from psychology to help you improve your self-worth and end self-sabotage and self-limitation. It's part of the human condition. We all do it in different ways. And there are are 
methods that can help you move through that so that you can grow and prosper. And like you said, that break it down into smaller objectives, because I'm thinking I'm not liking my job right now. My goal is to be queen of England. So I'm just going to go right from my job to queen of England. You know, what's wrong with that? Well, that right. You need, you need a plan. So I like working with people on both having a, a vision, you know, so your queen of England is your vision. That's, and I encourage people to aim high. So I love that you <laughs> aimed high and, um, you know, to imagine if you had a magic wand, what would you like your life to look like? And then you need to break it down into smart goals, which are specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely and to map out larger goals into smaller objectives and to access support for accountability. We all need each other. So having a therapist or a coach or an accountability partner to help you stay on track is, is really important. Let's take a break right there. <laughs> we'll come back and go into that a little bit more. So we'll be right back with Joyce Martyr. She's a psychotherapist, speaker, and author, and also a financial therapist, which is coming in handy right now because we're talking about how your self-worth affects your financial wealth. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Money the show that it affects your life in any way money-wise, we're talking about it. Today, we're talking to Joyce Martyr about how your self-worth affects your financial wealth. And Joyce, as a financial therapist, you are here to talk me down from being Queen of England because that may not just be a realistic goal. But you like that I aim high. Maybe I should shoot for Duchess instead. I love it. I love that you're aiming high. But yes, we have to make sure our goals are realistic so that we don't set ourselves up for failure. So making those those uh, realistic objectives and steps toward reaching those goals. So it might be if you're unhappy in this job, researching what other possibilities are, what what skills that you can develop or education or training that you can receive to to move to that next level and get closer to your end goal. But having a vision is so important because other otherwise we just go with life's current and we can we can pick up our oars and we can map out our course and pick a higher path for ourselves. But that starts with caring enough about ourselves to do that and believing in ourselves that we can do that. I have a very healthy respect for self-fulfilling prophecy. And if we don't believe we can achieve something, we won't. And if we believe that we can, it increases the likelihood that we will, just like in sports psychology. The last two years, we've had what's being called the great resignation. People have been taking a hard look at their lives with the pandemic because it put a lot of stress on all areas of life. So all of a sudden, people started reevaluating 
well, it could have started with, oh my God, I'm stuck in the house with a person who I actually don't like in a relationship. But a lot of it could be, I really don't like my job. I don't either like working from home or I'm not comfortable having to work in the office because there isn't the option to work from home during this. So the amount of clients that you're seeing, have you seen more clients in the last two years trying to switch jobs? Yes, you're absolutely right about the great resignation. And over the past two years, I think the silver lining, the blessing is that people are recognizing the importance of mental health and work-life balance, and they're reevaluating their work and the way that we work. And so for the past two years, I've been providing a tremendous amount of global corporate webinars on promoting positive mental health and resilience. And I do think developing a vision that has work-life balance, that has supported relationships, that has mental well-being and financial prosperity is so important. And that's why my program in my book is really a step-by-step program for holistic success. What is the book, the title of your book? It's called The Financial Mindset Fix, and it's a mental fitness program for an abundant life. And I share in it the 12 mindsets that I identified in my work with my clients, as well as my own entrepreneurial journey that lead to holistic success and prosperity. I founded a outpatient mental health company called Urban Balance. I started it with $500, 50,000 of student loans, and was able to successfully sell it for a healthy seven-figure amount four years ago after making a thousand mistakes. But I, I used the strategies that I learned in my clinical training to improve my own self-worth. I definitely am human and struggle with anxiety and, and self-esteem issues as well. I think we can all benefit from therapy or counseling at different points in our lives. And so I practiced what I preach and By shifting my psychology of money, the way that I think and feel and behave with money, it transformed my financial reality to a life of abundance that I never imagined possible. What are a few of the steps, like maybe the baby steps that we need to start with in order to attract more wealth in our lives? And I don't think of wealth necessarily just as money. It can be a wealth of relationships, a wealth of friendships, a wealth of even loving yourself and others. I love it. I couldn't agree more. We're very aligned with that. And I think the baby step is to shift from a scarcity mindset, which is focused on fear and lack and competition over resources in the pandemic. Many of us have had a scarcity mindset. I mean, think about the toilet paper example is a great example of hoarding a resource out of fear. And we want to shift from scarcity to an abundant mindset. And I agree with you, abundance can apply to health, to love, to support, to opportunity, to financial prosperity. And when we have an abundant mindset, we are open to possibilities, we are creative, we problem solve, we're collaborative, we believe that there's more than enough resources for all of us, and we become generative, we create so that we can lift others up. You know, when I talk about financial prosperity, I'm not talking about materialism or excess or greed, I'm talking about 
having an abundant life so that you can help more. When we have more, we can help more. It sounds really easy the way you say it, like, oh, just change from being afraid of everything to being bringing in abundance. I mean, the last two years, that is all that we hear on the news everywhere. Your friends, your family, some of them are like, I either can't go out or don't get that vaccine or whatever reason, but it's coming at all different angles. It doesn't matter which side you're on. Almost all of it feels like it's all negative and you've got to protect yourself and go get all the toilet paper you can. How do you just flip the brain? I wish it were an easy flip of a switch, but it is, it's a practice. I mean, there's, there's a variety of skills that you need to develop. The pandemic has been a global trauma and many of us are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. So, you know, the research shows that many of us are having trauma symptoms and that's a normal response to the pandemic and the news. And so we need to be gentle with ourselves. And the research showed that even prior to the pandemic, one quarter of adults and a third of millennials experienced financial stress at a level that met the criteria for PTSD. And so we need to honor our emotions. We need to practice self-compassion. We need to recognize that this is a difficult time. In my book, I talk a lot about mindfulness strategies, which I, I really feel strongly and the research very much supports it, that helps us not ruminate about the past or worry about the uncertainty of the future, but to get rooted and grounded in the peace of the present moment. And so those are some of the strategies that I teach that can help you cultivate both mental resilience and financial resilience to move through challenges like the pandemic. Yeah. We do need to take one more break. When we come back, we'll wrap everything up and see what else we can do to move forward to attract more wealth in our lives by improving our self-worth. We'll be right back with Joyce Martyr, who's a psychotherapist, speaker, and author. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how your self-worth could affect your financial wealth. Joining me is Joyce Martyr. She is a psychotherapist, speaker, and author of the book, The Financial Mindset Fix. Joyce, in the last couple segments, we've explained why your self-worth can affect all parts of your life. That's where I think a lot of domestic abuse comes in. For a lot of people, they think if I make another person feel worse, then it makes me feel better, which it really doesn't. What are other ways that we can start changing our mindset? Because I know you said it's not just an instant fix, but if you don't even recognize that you have these negative thoughts, what are some ways we can identify you're having a negative thought? We need to change that. Well, I think connecting with our emotions is important and recognizing when we're operating from a place of fear or negative emotion. I, with finances, I noticed that a lot of us experience financial anxiety, financial fear. We might have catastrophic feelings or beliefs, or we may struggle with issues of shame. I know for me, when my business was not doing well, I was in a period of cash flow hell. 
And I thought I was going to have to file business bankruptcy. And I was terrified. I was dealing with insomnia and panic attacks. And I was really embarrassed to ask for help. I was afraid to speak with a financial professional because I, I thought that they would tell me that my business model didn't work. I would work. I was embarrassed of my debt. And so I think also it's about managing our emotions and moving through them so that we transcend barriers to accessing support. We all need support. So having a good financial planner or advisor or business consultant or having a career coach or a counselor or therapist, that is part of what's going to set you up for success. Seeking help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and it's a sign of caring about yourself, knowing you're deserving of having support and people who care about you and believe in you and who are going to provide you with information and tools and resources to lift you up. Why is it that so many people do feel that it's a sign of weakness to ask for help as opposed to it's a sign of strength? Yes, I think in Western culture overall, we're so hyper-focused on independence that there are cultural messages that seeking help is a sign of weakness. And there's some stigma with that. And there may be gender messages like man up or, you know, be a man, handle it yourself. Or for me as a woman, I felt like, you know, be a, be a good girl. Um, I'm a people pleaser. I didn't want to be an imposition to someone. And those are all barriers to accessing support. Some of it might come from our families of origin and messages we received from our parents, or it may have to do with pride or ego you know, thinking that we have the right answer and not having the humility to recognize what we don't know, or we may have difficulty trusting in the advice of others. I know some people have fear of financial advisors and that they are going to have ulterior motives or something like that. So if we have difficulty trusting, we might not reach out for the support that would really benefit us. So what are a few other steps that we might be able to see if we get your book, which again, it's the financial mindset fix. What other things should we be looking for or hope to gain? So it's a step-by-step program with exercises. So I have journaling prompts, I have proven exercises from psychology, and I have self-assessment tools, these cool wheel exercises where you can see how you're doing in terms of having an abundant mindset or how you're doing in terms of self-care or accessing support or cultivating mental and financial resilience. And the 12 mindsets, uh, they start out with abundance awareness, moving through denial and rationalizations, intellectualizations that we have that keep our life small, Uh, taking responsibility, shifting away from blame. You know, it's not your parents, the government, the economy, you are responsible for your financial situation. And when you take the reins, that can be really empowering. So many other chapters on, you know, practicing compassion for yourself and others, doing ethical work in business, your example of your employee that left and went to a company that is not, doesn't sound like a conscious, compassionate workplace environment, uh, that's not sustainable. So 
my book can help people individually. It can help them in their businesses or organizations. I do want to give one example, another one in my life of taking responsibility. Because in my youth, I was late teens, early 20s, just getting into the workforce. And when things didn't go right because I didn't follow the proper procedures, it was like, well, if this person just wasn't there or wasn't such a stickler, uh, it would have been fine. <laughs> you know, Right. I finally about my mid to late 20s, I don't know why I don't remember having a conscious thought about I need to like change this, but I actually owned up on a mistake that I'd made and it didn't go so badly. Awesome. I was reprimanded less for owning up the mistake than kept trying to deny the mistake or say it was somebody else or, well, you know, they told me to. That was a big one. Absolutely. And since then, uh, pretty much by the time I hit 30, I took responsibility for all of my mistakes. And all of a sudden, I was progressing much further in my career took a little longer for the money to come, but I was getting more, you know, I was getting promoted much quicker uh, or they were giving me more responsibility as well. So whereas before I was just like this, a cog in the wheel. Yes. We can stay stuck when we're stuck in blame or a victim narrative. And we're not just the protagonist of our own life story. We're also the author. And so when we take responsibility and we make amends or we apologize when we make mistakes, that fosters, that demonstrates integrity, it fosters trust in relationships, and then we can move forward. So if we're stuck in that victim narrative, we're we're colluding, we're agreeing that that's the way our life is going to go. But when you take responsibility and you you promote your financial literacy, you learn about how to budget, you learn how to invest, you set up accountability for yourself. That's how you're going to grow, you know, learning how to negotiate, practicing those skills. And as a therapist, I know that we all sometimes blame others. The first time I was in therapy, my mother starred in every session. (laughs) And the second time I spent the whole time talking about my former husband. And it wasn't until I was in my mid thirties. So it took me longer than you when I started really looking at myself that my life began to change. I will disagree. First of all, it's always the mother. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's so sad. (laughs) I do believe, like you said, like taking responsibility, changing that mindset. I know I have benefited from that. And these were just things that I managed to come to on my own, but not everybody has that or can do that. And I'm sure there's still a lot of things I need to work on to get more money, hopefully in my life. I'm all about the wealth and being queen of England. Love it. Well, we're all works in progress. We're all human. We're not perfect. And we have areas of strength and areas of needed development. And it's about recognizing that, getting support and resources and having a growth mindset so that you can view challenges as opportunities and continue to expand and develop. All right. Any last words as we wrap things up? I wish everyone an abundant life and I would love to be a support and resource in any way that I can. So how would people get in touch with you if they need to or want to? 
My website is JoyceMartyr.com. My name is spelled J-O-Y-C-E-M-A-R-T-E-R.com. And the book again is The Financial Mindset Fix. Great. And we'll have links to all of that in the show description so people can go to it that way as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.